Section 42 of The History of Prostitution. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Uday Sagar. The History of Prostitution by William Sanger. Section 42. Chapter 31. Semi-Civilized Nations. Part 1. Persia. Women occupy an inferior position in Persia, where they are literally the property of men. The lower classes consider them valuable for the labor. The rich regard them as instruments of pleasure. While Persian poetry and romance are devoted to the praise of female charms, the realities of everyday life prove that sex is held in slight esteem. The wives of the Shah vegetate within the walls of a luxurious prison, and if one is ever permitted to breathe the air outside, she is paraded in solemn procession, guarded by a troop of eunuchs, armed with loaded muskets, in order to drive off any curious wayfarer who might be tempted to gaze on the charms of a royal mistress. Nor is this isolation peculiar to them, it pervades all the upper classes, and brothers are not allowed to see the sisters after a certain age. This jealousy is not decreased by the polygamy, which is common in the country. The religious laws limit a person to four wives, but allow him to keep as many concubines as he can afford. And in pursuance of this privilege, the harem of the palace is said to contain, at times, more than a thousand women, who need a stringent discipline to keep them in order. They are arranged with a strict regard to precedence. The chief favorite lives in splendor. Her attire is covered with costly jewels, and she has the privilege of sitting in the royal presence. Her inferiors are subject to much rigor, and the eunuchs preserve decorum by administering personal chastisement with the heel of a slipper on the face of a refractory woman. They seem insensible to any degradation. Many of them lead a pleasant, idle life, longing for hours in the warm bath and emerging with innovated frames to deck their pretty persons in order to render themselves attractive to the shah they coat his favor as much as the fear is thrown and with good reason the former can raise them to the submit of their ambition the latter can condemn them to be fastened in a sack and thrown from a lofty tower common usage permits a persian to take a woman in three different ways. He may marry, purchase, or hire her. In the first case, betrothal sometimes takes place in infancy, but it must be subsequently confirmed by the parties. In this, they seldom fail, for if a girl shows any repugnance to ratify her father's contract, he whips her until she consents, and she requires little of this kind of argument to induce compliance. The nuptial ceremony must be witnessed by two persons, one of whom is a legal officer to attest the contract. This is delivered to the bride, and by her carefully preserved, as it proves her title to provision in the event of widowhood or divorce. Though a man has the right to put away his wife when he pleases, the attendant expense and scandal render it a rare proceeding. Mohammedan jealousy farther protects the woman, as no one will willingly allow a female with whom he has lived to fall into the hands of another. 
in addition to this interest restrains a husband from using his privileges in a direct manner as when he takes the initiative he must pay back the dowry he received with his wife if she applies for divorce he is free from this obligation the advantage being thus on the man's side a species of tyranny is frequently practised until the woman is forced to open the suit when he gets rid of her but retains her property a persian may purchase as many female slaves as he desires these acquire no advantage of position by being his concubines he may sell or otherwise dispose of them at any moment he thinks proper the custom of firing wives still prevails in persia though strict mohammedans abhor and condemn the practice which was prohibited by omar the successor of muhammad in operation it is an agreement made by a man and woman to cohabit a specified time for an agreed sum of money the children springing from this union must be supported by the father if the man terminate the connection prematurely he must still pay the whole stipulated amount and the woman is restrained from accepting any other protector until a sufficient time has elapsed to prove whether she is pregnant by the former although these contracts are ranked as marriages few readers will be inclined to think them anything but systematic prostitution formerly there were numerous open and avowed prostitutes in persia among whom the dancing girls were conspicuous for the beauty of their persons and the melody of their voices they had a considerable sway until the time of fateh ali khan who crowded his palace with concubines and from among them issued edicts to suppress immortality prohibiting the dancing girls from approaching the court and exiling them to the distant provinces social life was most depraved under the safi dynasty public brothels were very numerous and largely contributed to the national revenue no less than thirty thousand prostitutes paying an annual tax in ispahan alone the governors of provinces allowed similar privileges for money and there was scarcely a town which had not one licensed brothel at least whose inmates also licensed and taxed were known as kahbeha or the worthless as soon as the shops were closed these houses were opened and the women repaired to particular localities where they sat in rows closely veiled with each company was an old harridan whose business was to show the faces of a troop to any man desiring a companion and to receive his payment when the selection was made under the reigning family this system has been checked no license is now given and prostitution has retired to secrecy but the vice has in no way decreased and public brothels abound in all the cities of persia afghanistan marriage in afghanistan is a commercial transaction the woman being sold for prices varying according to circumstances this system is carried to such an extent that if a widow marries the friends of her first husband can recover from his successor the amount originally paid for her the necessity of purchasing a wife renders many of the poor classes unable to marry until well advanced in years in opposition to the custom of their wealthy neighbors among whom bridegrooms of 15 and brides of 12 years old are common the prior intercourse of the sexes is regulated by various circumstances in crowded towns men have little opportunity of associating with women and their professional matchmakers exist their functions are in the first place to see and report upon any girl whom a man may wish to marry 
then to ascertain if her family would agree to the match, and finally to make arrangements for a public proposal. This is made by the suitor's father in company with a number of male friends to the father of the girl, while a similar deputation of females waits upon the mother. Presents are made, the selling price determined, and the couple are betrothed. Soon after, the parties sign a mutual contract. Stipulation is made, provision for the woman if divorced. A festival is given. The bridegroom pays for his wife, and she is delivered at the dwelling of her future master. Similar formalities take place in the country. But as the social intercourse is less restricted there, marriages frequently spring from attachment, and the negotiations are mere matters of etiquette. A romantic lover may obtain his mistress without the consent of her parents by tearing away her veil, or throwing a large white cloth over her, and declaring her his affianced bride. These proceedings do not release him from the obligation to pray for her, which is only evaded by an elopement, a serious step considered by the girl's family as equivalent to murder, and revenged accordingly unless the couple secure shelter and protection from some neighboring tribe. Sometimes a man never sees his bride until the marriage is completed. In certain districts where this rule nominally exists, it is particularly violated, secret interviews between the bride and bridegroom being tolerated and called the sport of the betrothed. The young man steals after dark to the house of his charmer, affecting to conceal his presence from the men, and is introduced by the mother to her daughter's room, where the couple are left till the morning undisturbed. The ordinary result of this is the anticipation of nuptial privileges, and cases have been known where the bride has borne several children before she has been formally delivered to her husband. Polygamy is allowed, but is too expensive to be practiced by the majority of the people, although some rich men maintain a large number of concubines in addition to the four legal wives. The social condition of female is low in Afghanistan. Among the more barbarous tribes, they labor in the fields. With the poor, all the drudgery of the house falls upon them, while the rich keep them secluded in the harems. The law allows a man the privilege of bearing his wife, but custom is more chivalrous than the code, and considers such an act disgraceful. Of avowed prostitutes in this region we know but little beyond the bare fact that such a class exists, and that their profligacy is materially aided by the ignorance and insipidity of the wives and concubines, when contrasted with the knowledge of the world and comparatively polished manners exhibited by courtesans, whose society is frequently sought as a relief from the monotony of home. Kashmir and oppressed by any rigid code of etiquette and natural addicted to pleasure, the people of Kashmir find much of their enjoyment in female society, and from the earliest times have been noted for their love of singers and dancers. In former days the capital city was a scene of constant revels, in which morality was but a secondary consideration, and now the inhabitants relieve the continual struggle against misfortune and depotism by indulging in gross vices, and drawn the sense of hopeless poverty in the gratification of animal passions. The women of this delightful valley have long been celebrated for their beauty, and are still called the flower of the oriental race. The face is of a dark complexion, richly flushed with pink, the eyes large, almond-shaped, and overflowing with a peculiar liquid brilliance, the features regular, harmonious, and fine, 
the limbs and bodies are models of grace but all writers agree that art does nothing to aid nature and it is not unusual to see eyes unsurpassed for brightness and expression flashing from a very dirty face among the poor class filth and degradation render many women actually repulsive notwithstanding their resplendent beauty travellers always remark the dancing girls who have acquired so much renown in kashmir the village of shangus was at one time celebrated for a colony of these women who excelled all others in the valley but now its famous beauties have disappeared and live only in the traditions of the place the dancing girls may be divided into several classes among the higher may be found those who are virtuous and modest probably to about the same extent as among actresses opera singers and ballad girls in civilized communities others frequent entertainments at the houses of rich men or public festivals and estimate their favors at a very high price while the remainder are avowed harlots prostituting themselves indiscriminately to any who desire their company many of these are devoted to the service of some god whose temple is enriched from the gains of their calling the watul or gypsy tribe of kashmir is remarkable for many lovely women who are taught to please the taste of the voluptuary they sing licentious songs in an amorous tone dance in a lascivious measure dress in a peculiarly fascinating manner and seduced by the very expression of their countenances when they join a company of dancing girls they are uniformly successful in their vocation and have been known to amass large sums of money now that the valley is in its decadence their charms find a more profitable market in their places the bands of dancing girls are usually accompanied by sundry hideous dianas whose conspicuous ugliness forms a striking contrast to their charge the nuts girls are under the surveillance of the government whose licenses their prostitution they are actual slaves and cannot sing or dance without permission from their overseer to whom they must resign a large portion of their earnings in addition to these who may be styled poetical courtesans there exists a swarm of prostitutes frequenting low houses in the cities or boats on the lake but of them we have no distinct account it is certain that they are largely visited by the more immoral of the population and an accurate idea of their status may be formed from a knowledge of the fact that the traveller moorcraft who gave gratuitous medical advice to the poor of serinagur had at one time nearly seven thousand patients on his lists a very large number of whom were suffering from loathsome diseases induced by the grossest and most persevering profligacy in short there can be but little doubt that the manners of the inhabitants of this interesting and beautiful valley are corrupt to the last degree india india exhibits in its different communities many aspects of social life but it may be said in general terms that the state of woman is degraded and she is absolutely dependent upon man and can do nothing of her own will she must approach her lord with reverence is bound to him so long as he desires it whatever his conduct may be and if she rebel is liable to be chastised with a rope or a cane in a cruel manner debarred the advantage of education not allowed to eat with their husbands or to mix in society women are yet not treated as abject slaves and from the few revelations of the zenana which have been made it may be inferred that its inmate receive considerable deference and attention 
polygamy is permitted in india but not encouraged by the religious law and only sanctioned in certain cases such as barrenness inconstancy or some similar cause and then the wife's consent must be obtained before a second and subordinate wife can be added to the household marriage is viewed as a religious duty by the hindus only a few being exempt from the obligation it is forbidden to purchase a wife for money but the girls have little choice as to their destiny being usually betrothed while young a father has the right to dispose of his daughter until three years after the age of puberty when she may choose a husband for herself not many remain single till that time as celibacy would be accounted disgraceful and few men would marry a maiden so old in bengal betrothal takes place with many rites and much ostentation the girl bride is taken to her future husband's house and remains there a short time when she returns to her parents until mature the anxiety to dispose of a daughter as young as possible arises from the fact that her birth is regarded as inauspicious and even as a domestic calamity from which her parents are glad to escape hence the character of the bridegroom is a secondary consideration and marriage often results unhappily in fact little else can be expected where the parties are absolutely strangers to each other until the union is effected the uneducated wife without a gleam of knowledge amuses herself by a thousand trivial devices such as adorning her person curling her hair or listening to the gossip of her slaves it is nevertheless generally admitted that the majority of hindu women are faithful to the marital vows the severe laws against unchastity are framed more preserving caste than morals and severely punish any woman detected in an intrigue with a man of different grade to herself divorce may be easily effected by the husband but the wife has no corresponding power a man who calls his wife mother renounces her by that act a barren wife may be superseded in the eighth year she who bears only daughters or whose children die in the birth in the eleventh year and one of unkind disposition may be divorced without any delay the custom that prevailed in different provinces respecting wives and their treatment may be described in a few words in arrakan when a man wants money he pawns his wife for a certain sum or else sells her altogether in the southern parts of the peninsula polygamy is largely practised the shianagas of canara are not allowed to take a second wife unless the first be childless the Kuranas, the panchalura and other tribes permitted polygamy and the purchase of wives among the vudas every man had as many wives as he pleased all worked for him and a lazy one was divorced sans ceremony the karubura took no notice of an act of adultery if the wife was a hard-working woman otherwise she might live with any man who chose to keep her in rajaputana woman holds a higher position and exercises considerable influence on the actions and tastes of men for a rajput consults his wife on every important occasion the estimation in which they are held is indicated by a national proverb which says when wives are honoured the gods are pleased when they are dishonoured the gods are offended this district exhibits the hindu women in the most favourable circumstances and even here they hold but a subordinate place as must always be the case where polygamy is tolerated it is scarcely necessary to review all the local peculiarities of so extended a people enough has been said to show the social condition of married women it remains to give some account of prostitution some of the dancing women and musicians of southern india were attached 
to every temple a portion were reserved by the sensual brahmins for their exclusive pleasures and the rest hired themselves out indiscriminately each troupe was under a chief who regulated their performances and prices at the temple of tulava near mangalore a curious custom existed any woman could dedicate herself to prostitution by eating some of the rice which had been offered to the idol and was allowed her choice to live within or without its precincts in the former case she received a daily allowance of food and her prostitution was limited to the priests in the latter her amour were unrestricted but a stipulated portion of her profits must be given to the temple in sindh every town has a troop of dancing girls many of whom are very handsome before the british conquest the vice was largely encouraged numbers of women acquired considerable fortunes and their political influence was potent in the darbars of the debauched amirs an evident reform has taken place of late years the lascivious scenes of the southern country are not enacted at least to some extent in hindustan proper where the interest of the english government has been directed against immorality toward the close of the last century an official report was made on the morals of british india it was bad enough much laxity prevailed in private life receptacles for women of bad character abounded prostitutes had a place in society made an important figure at great entertainments and were admitted to the zenanas to exhibit their voluptuous dances contrasted with former years a great improvement is now perceptible and the profligacy of large cities scarcely exceeds the vices of european communities thus benares with a population of one eighty thousand had one thousand seven hundred and sixty four prostitutes and decca with nearly sixty seven thousand inhabitants had seven seventy prostitutes apart from governmental influences it can scarcely be denied that europeans have contributed to the advance of vice by taking temporary companions these liaisons were scarcely considered improper the custom was to purchase girls from their mothers many of them were faithful and attached to their protectors but their extravagance and propensity for gambling made them very costly adjuncts the religious ceremonies originated by the brahmans were often but scenes of the widest debauchery rivalling the ancient egyptian festival of bubastis and no good would result from an extended description of dances performed by nude or semi-nude women by the desecration of wives by a licentious priesthood or of the disgusting polygamy of the brahmans suffice it to say that such customs existed but are now yielding to more refined observances the general profligacy of the country has introduced syphilis in most parts of hindustan some assert that it was carried there after the discovery of america but neither history nor tradition warrants this opinion it may be noticed that it is not called by any sanskrit word but is known by a persian appellation our notice of india would be incomplete without an allusion to the sati or burning of widows and to infanticide the shastris are full of recommendations to perform the first of these shocking observances and promise ineffable bliss to the voluntary victim it was carried to such an extent that fifteen thousand women are reported to have perished in one year in bengal this is doubtless an exaggeration although the number was confessedly very large among the horrible details of the practice we find that betrothed children of eight or ten years old and women of eighty-five have alike been thrown into the burning pile fearful scenes have been witnessed on these occasions a miserable wretch has twice escaped from the fire and clung to the feet of a traveller vainly imploring him to save her and then naked and with flesh already burned from parts of her body 
has been bound and thrown into the flames by the frantic relatives let british rule in india be what it may no man no aborigines protection society can regret its spread in conjunction with the services rendered to our common humanity by the abolition of the sati infanticide formerly prevailed to a great extent but is now almost extirpated from british india the crime was sanctioned by custom but not by religion or tradition its victims were chiefly females and the murder was in consequence of the difficulty of marrying them within the required bounds of caste or of the ruinous expenses which fashion required should be incurred at the wedding ceremonies rather than from any other cause it appears to have been the custom among the ancient dwellers on the banks of the indus for the father of a female child to carry it to the market-place and publicly demand if any one wanted a wife if the reply was an affirmative it was betrothed at once and carefully read but otherwise it was immediately killed wilkinson asserted twenty-five years ago that twenty thousand children were annually murdered in malwa and rajputana but by the system of rewarding parents who reared their offspring and gradual introduction of salutary laws a mighty reform has been effected ceylon under the original institutions of the singhalese the never licensed public prostitution nor made brothels of the temples as in india whatever effect the buddhist religion produced was in favour of virtue but the character of the people is naturally sensual profligacy among men and want of chastity among women are general characteristics and even those who profess christianity and acknowledge the moral law of england are not free from the stain in ceylon as indeed in most parts of asia marriage is contracted at an early age a man attains his majority at sixteen and a girl as soon as marriageable by nature is marriageable by law at which time her parents or relatives give a feast inviting a number of single men soon after a man who may desire to marry her sends one of his friends to her parents to mention in apparently a casual manner that a rumour of intended marriage of his friend and the daughter is in circulation if this announcement meets a favourable reception the father of the bridegroom calls inquires the amount of the dowry and carries the negotiation a few steps farther mutual visits are then exchanged preliminaries settled and an auspicious day fixed for the wedding which takes place with much ceremony the stars are consulted in every step and should the bridegroom's horoscope differ from the bride's his younger brother may act as his proxy at the ceremony the whole buddhical ritual is a tedious succession of formalities entails enormous expenses and cannot be followed by the poor to those of low caste it is positively forbidden even if they are rich enough to meet the outlay and with these marriages limited to a single agreement between the parents of the young couple among the candians polyandrism prevails to a great extent a matron of high caste being sometimes the wife of eight brothers the people justify this custom upon several grounds among the rich because it prevents litigation saves property from minute subdivision and concentrates family influence with the poor because it reduces expenses and frequently where one brother could not alone maintain a wife and family the association of several can command the means this plurality of husbands is not necessarily confined to brothers for a many may with his wife's consent introduce a stranger who is called an associated husband and is entitled to all marital rights 
This practice does not extend beyond the province of Kandy, although it was formerly prevalent throughout the maritime districts of the island. Another Kandyan peculiarity was a kind of marriage, called Bema, in which the husband lived at his wife's house. He received but little respect from his relations and could be ejected at once if unpopular. There is an ancient proverb in reference to this dubious arrangement, which says that a man married according to the Bema process should only take to his bride's house a pair of sandals to protect his feet, a palm leaf to shield his head, a staff to support him if sick, and a lantern in case he should be expelled in the dark, so that he may be prepared to depart at any hour of the day or night. In Ceylon, women frequently seek for divorces for the most trivial cases, and as separation can be attained by a mere return of the marriage gifts, it often takes place. If a child is born within nine months from this separation, the husband is required to support it for three years. If a married woman commits adultery and the husband is a witness, he may kill her lover. When a man puts away his wife on account of an intrigue, he may disinherit her and the whole of her offspring, even if the latter were born before any crime had been committed by their mother. If he seeks a divorce from capers, he must relinquish all his wife's property and share with her whatever may have accumulated during her cohabitation. The Singhalese do not always exercise the privileges, but are frequently indulgent husbands, and forgive offences which most people hold unpardonable. In proof of this, a Kandyan asked the British authorities to compel the return of an unfaithful wife, pleading his love for her and promising to forget her frailty. English jurisdiction did not extend so far as this, and the woman coldly turned her back upon her husband and accompanied her paramour, whom she soon after deserted a third partner. Many instances of this kind have induced the native poets to produce a number of satirical effusions upon woman's inconstancy, and a traveller translates the following specimen. I have seen the Adamra tree in flower, white plumage on the crow, and fish's footsteps on the deep have traced through ebb and flow. If man it is who thus asserts, his words you may believe, but all the woman says distrust, she speaks but to deceive. To understand the first clause, it will be necessary to remember that the Adambra is a kind of fig tree, and the natives assert that no mortal has ever seen it in bloom. Infanticide was at one time common in Ceylon, and all female children except the firstborn were liable to be sacrificed, especially if born under a malignant planet. But laterally the British government have denounced the crime as murder and punished it accordingly. This has had the effect of gradually abolishing it, and the population has increased in consequence. The social condition of the Singhalese woman is not so degraded as in other parts of the East, but their moral character does not correspond. Profligacy is prevalent. Open and acknowledged prostitution is rare, excepting in the seaport towns, and of its extent there we have no reliable particulars. Under the Candian dynasty a common harlot had her ears and ears cut off and was publicly whipped in a state of nudity. End of section forty two. Recording by Uday Sagar.